you are listening to On The Topic Podcast, home of time-relevant delicious podcasts, nostalgia, towels of woe, and words of pearly wisdom. I'm Dan. And I'm Alex. And welcome back to another episode. And this week, well, we've got something very special. But before we get into that, what have, what, what have you been doing for the last couple of weeks, Dan? What haven't I been doing, Alex? Oh, quite. Well, you know... Um, I so say we, we are the home of all these things. Well, I've got a tale of woe and some words of pearly wisdom. Oh, yeah. So back in April, um, I ha- I've been suffering sporadically from toothache. So um, mm. I got an emergency appointment with a dentist. Travelled around to Gosport. Now, if anyone is unfamiliar um, with the south of England, Gosport is like on the other side of Portsmouth, if that makes sense. So if you, yep. you have to, to get round to it, you can either travel round the island, across, and then you go down into Gosport. Well, or you, or you get the ferry. Get a, you get the ferry, and um, it's it's fair to say it's probably not not worth too much jumping on that little boat and going over there. But unless you know it's it's next door, and if you're ever in in the vicinity, then it's something to do, I guess. But otherwise, um, there's not an awful lot outside over there, Dan. No. So I drove round, typically pulled up at this dentist, and I could see the Spinnaker Tower literally from where I'd parked up. So I could have got on the ferry. Um, would, would have saved me more time. But anyway, had a filling done and had a bit of an infection for five weeks. Went back to the dentist last week where she get, where I was given some antibiotics, and they said, you, you need to have uh, root canal treatment done. I thought, oh, God. Uh-oh. So, uh, yeah, so this week, Alex, I had root canal treatment done. Uh, in the middle of next month, I'll be getting a crown put in. Uh, relatively painless, you know. So, despite um, all these myths and rumours that, you know, having a root canal done is painful, it's not, I assure you. Um, obviously, I had the, the pre, pre-jitters. But my dentist, Betty, was very good. Um, she said it looked like it had been a successful bit of treatment. Uh, and I'll good be seeing you again next month to have the crown put in but yeah look after your teeth uh, and if you do get toothache do get it looked at straight away um, don't leave it like I did because it, it it can get worse I probably could have got more worse if I hadn't got it looked at shout out to Betty and that's a pearl of wisdom about the pearly whites Dan mm. uh, these dentists Alex they are artists and scientists all in one um, I told this to, to Betty and their assistant uh, and they thought about it for a second. Went, Do you know what? You've got a point. I was like, you can have that one on me. <laughs> All for the pleasure of root canal. Well, um, okay. So you've, you've obviously had uh, some work done, but have you been up to anything else, Dan? Anything perhaps more exciting or uh, non-expensive? Uh, just enjoying the sun, Alex. It's been mm. a beautiful week on the South Coast. So you've been away. Um Bit, bit further up the coast, I believe. Yeah, down the coast, going west, down to um, a stretch of coastline called the Jurassic Coast. Beautiful. It, it is beautiful. Um, a UNESCO World Heritage Site. We don't have many of those in the UK, but this is where you could stumble upon a T-Rex tooth or perhaps a, um, I don't know, any other dinosaur, Diplodocus, vertebrae you get the idea there's plenty of dinosaurs that have been dug up in that area and if you go a little bit further along just ask the new forest 
there's a lovely stretch of beach called Weymouth. So I stayed there with the family and had a lovely couple of days off. Um, and yeah, we've got a bit of a, what do you call it, a heat wave down? I'm not sure if this is just summer, but we've got some sunshine mm. down here on the south coast and it's bloody lovely. So uh, lots of suntans and lots of walks and, and lots of vitamin D. So uh, if we're giving out some advice, Dan, make sure you wear some sunscreen, kids. Yes, That's absolutely. That's really important. More but otherwise, words of wisdom. Indeed. We are educational as well as giving you time and delicious episodes. Mm. So uh, that's my two cents this week. But um, enough about that, Dan. Enough about our tales of woe and, um, and wisdom. We, this week, are going to be talking about TV shows that are being cancelled. Yes. And it dawned on us, didn't it, a couple of weeks ago, where I think I was, I can't recall where it came from. Was it the pub or somewhere? And we were talking, catching up. And I think you mentioned it. And this is, this is your brainchild. And there's, when you start talking about all of the, the various different shows that had either potential or they finished just well before their time, actually, they rack up. So we thought we'd spend this episode just recounting a couple of our favourites. And thanks to the power of social media, some of yours too. Mm. And some goodies. There are some really good ones. And Dan, who should start first? Should I go first or should you go first? Uh, I'll, tell, I'll kick this one off first. You kick us off. What have you got? All right, so first up for me, um, now if you revisit the binge-watching episode way back in 2019 i mentioned this as a as an honorable mention Uh-oh. but i love it i i think it's fantastic it's comic book men oh yeah now for okay. anyone that isn't familiar with comic book men you can catch this on amazon prime there's only seven seasons and i know what you're thinking dan seven seasons is quite a lot you know uh, i'll get to the point in a minute but to give people a, an idea of what comic book men is about AMC dives into the comic book culture with this unscripted series that follows the antics of the fanboys and around Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash, a New Jersey comic book shop owned by writer-director Kevin Smith. Now, you'll, course, know, yeah. you'll know Kevin Smith from films such as Clerks, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, etc., his films are like very low budget, but I think if mm. you go check them out, they are very good and very funny. Yeah, yeah. I certainly didn't appreciate them growing up, but I think now I'm older. It's sort of a good. cult, a cult following, isn't it? His films. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cameras capture the banter of the shop's employees and its customers as they collectively discover the treasures of the comic book collecting world, and the staff de facto leader Walt, shop whipping boy Ming and comic book virtuoso Mike among them shares all the details with Kevin Smith via a podcast that is woven throughout the series. Smith has been a comics fan since his youth and has written several comic books based on his movies, including Clerks, as well as story arcs for the legendary Green Arrow and Daredevil comics. Huh. Comic Book Men is a companion television show to award-winning podcast titled Talim Steve Dave and the lesser comic, the lesser known I Sell Comics, which is hosted on the Smodcast Network. Uh, now, as I mentioned, uh, there are a few names in there, but this is the full cast, Alex. Hmm. So you've got Kevin Smith, the owner of the store and a filmmaker and author whose films include Clerks, Chasing Amy and Red State and whose books include My Boring Ass Life. Now, this is where I got the um, 
this one of the stories for our Divas episode. Bruce Willis. Good book. It's worth oh, checking yeah. out. Mm. Uh, Walt Flanagan. Smith's friend since high school and the manager of Jane Silent Bob's Secret Sash since 1997. It's no mean feat. Flanagan has also appeared in small roles in Smith's films and is a comic book artist himself, having, having illustrated Smith's miniseries, Batman Cacophony and Batman The Widening Gyre. I got that right. Then you've got Brian Johnson, a longtime friend of Smith's who, while not officially an employee at Secret Stash, can often be found behind the front counter. And this guy's humour is pretty wicked. Uh, he will no doubt make you laugh with... It's very, um, very dry, I guess, mm-hmm. is the best way to put it. Yeah. you got Mike Zapsik. Zapsik is described as having an encyclopedic knowledge of every issue of every comic known to man, which he utilises at the Secret Stash, and he began working in, there in 2000. And then lastly, you got Bing Chen. Chen first met Smith through the fan site he created in dedication to Kevin Smith in 1995, which led to Chen being hired to create the Viewerskew Productions website. Today, he continues to work on all of Smith's online properties and is the technical expert of the stash. Now, the series ran from February 12th, 2012 through to the 8th of April, 2018. I'd say seven seasons 96 episodes hmm. but they had some phenomenal guests on that show that would visit the stash uh you had stan lee michelle michelle mm, nichols peter mayhew method man rosario dawson and adam west now saying not a lot of these guys are, are around anymore no but just to have these guys talk about pop culture and comic books it sort of really sort of um i suppose it captures that nostalgia of growing yeah. up and that's why i really enjoyed these, it and these people know what they're talking about right dan so it's not just yeah. people with their opinions or people who have perhaps you know grown up person these are people that actually are in the films and they're in the shows and they are creators in their own right um so I haven't seen it myself, but it sounds like quite a good one to watch. It's really good. Um, you know, you get an idea of how much a key issue is. Uh, I, I suppose an example of a key issue would be a Spider-Man comic where the Punisher makes his debut, which is huge. And yeah. that comic book sells for hundreds of dollars, you know. But they do good things as well. Um, they... they um, helped a gentleman auction off his whole comic books collection, which he'd had from the 60s onwards, just so, so, just so he could afford to pay his medical bills. You know, wow. um, I, I think it was last year, Alex, we were talking about how expensive, um, you know, medical, medical care is in America. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, they do some good things as well. It's, it's a good watch. So it's on Amazon Prime. I just wish there was more. But AMC had no interest and didn't bother to renew. But I don't think it got many, many views when it aired anyway. So, but supposedly it had a had a good run though, Dan. I mean, six mm. six seasons, you say? Uh, seven, seven seasons. That's not yeah. bad. How many how many episodes season roughly? Do you know? Uh, I think it's about sixteen, wow. approximately. So yeah, it's good. Mm. Definitely okay. worth checking out. Yeah. 
So what have you got, Alex? What's your first choice? Yeah, um, I've mentioned this before, Dan, and this one, I'm not quite sure how it stacks up today, but when I first watched it, I was absolutely mesmerised. Um, it's a little show called Flash Forward. You were talking about this when we went to the pub when we recorded our birthday episode. Yeah, um, mm. the very same. Now, um, it stars Sonia Walger and Joseph Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes is... Um, Perhaps less known brother, but looks still looks the same. Um, Star Trek's John Cho, as well as other things he's been in, of course, and Christine Woods, amongst many others. But they're the the, the leads. Um, and this first aired in the twenty fourth September two thousand nine on ABC US. Now, if you're not too familiar with Flash Forward, it's a based on the nineteen ninety nine novel by Canadian science fiction writer Robert J Sawyer, quite a famous novelist. Now, the series revolves around the lives of several people as a mysterious event that causes nearly everyone on the planet to simultaneously lose consciousness for two minutes and 17 seconds. So they on the nose. On October the 6th, 2009. Now, during this blackout, people see what appear to be visions of their lives on the 29th of uh, April 2010. A global flash forward, which is six months into the future. Now, with that comes a lot of troubles, because Dan... Imagine, I hope it never happens, because it doesn't sound too pleasant, but imagine if you blacked out and during those two minutes, 17 seconds, playing out in real time, you saw yourself in six months' time. What do you think you'd be doing? In six any, months' any time? Thoughts? Yeah, well, what would you want to be doing, perhaps, then? What, what would you, um, where would you be? Where are we now? We're in June, aren't we? So it'd be December. I mean, I'd like to think that, you know, I'd be uh, sat down watching some festive television with a beer, with the missus, and, uh, you know, maybe wrapping some Christmas presents. Oh, very nice. What about yeah. you? What, what would you want to be doing at this this time in six months? Um, I don't know, Dan. Probably sat by a beach somewhere. We don't often go away. We don't go away at all during Christmas. So perhaps I'm, uh, I'm in the future by the beach, playing in the sand with my family having a jolly good old time. But who knows? But um, these guys certainly do in the TV programme. And, you know, there are people, you know, during their flash forwards, they are with other people. So not with their loved ones, not with their their friends and family, with other people, with other other partners, people they've never met yet, but they're obviously quite quite fond of these individuals in their flash forward. Some people who are witnessing a murder, some people are witnessing other things. So it's... If, if you're in that situation, you're already quite drawn into quite a compelling storyline because you think, well, what would happen if I was in that situation? What happens if I saw that? And then, of course, then there's some people who don't see anything down. And that's because they're brown bread. Uh-oh. So um, it's really interesting how some people come to terms with the fact of, you know, they are just a very small percentage of the whole population of the world that don't have a flash forward because their time's up soon and then they've got to come to terms with that. It's all about them predestination and, you know, your future and can you change it? And it's all this kind of stuff. It's, it's very interesting. And there's lots of philosophical kind of questions out there. Um, but nonetheless, I really enjoyed it. And it was supposed to be in the same universe as um, Lost. Now, we've, we're, we're fans mm. and critics of the same of that program. We talked about it very recently in prior episodes. And... Um, in the first episode, there's, um, I think, John Cho and Joseph Fiennes are both detectives. They're both doing a stakeout, and above them in their car is uh, a billboard talking about the flight 
whatever it is from from Lost uh, and the airlines. So it's it's a nod. It's not about it, it doesn't obviously get lost during the episode. It's not that closely aligned, but nonetheless, there are nods and references to the same universe. <clears throat> anyway, um, it's very interesting, and it's not it's not a very long run. It's about uh, eight or nine episodes. Um, and yeah, in May 2010, ABC announced that Flash Forward had been cancelled. So it wasn't long after it being released, just a mere six months. Now, the season finale for season one was shot before it was known that the show would be cancelled. And in that episode, they showed a Flash Forward event happening more than 20 years in the future, which is more aligned to the book. So it left viewers not so much on a, um, you know, a cliffhanger, but unless wanting more because once they've tied up all the loose ends of the first season, you then got it all started again at the very end of the of the episode. But alas, we didn't get to see it. Now, oh. interesting enough, critics... I mean, it was really, really good, Dan. Um, now, critics said the Flash Forward received generally positive reviews. I mean, Metacritic, which, of course, as it sounds, combines and consolidates all the reviews in the world, or the ones that are meaningful. I gave it a score of 72 out of 100. It was not too bad. Now, um, a couple of people in the world, Tim Goodman of the San Francisco Chronicle, deemed the series enormously entertaining with a tantalising premise. Whereas New York Times wrote that it begins in such a spirit of bracing suspense that she was challenged to recall another pilot that lured her so quickly into addiction. That being said, on the flip side, Ken Tucker from Entertainment Weekly's graded the series B+, stating that Flash Forward isn't perfect, much thought has been given to the plot and characters, but not enough to the visuals. And this is one of the most drab-looking of intelligent shows. Now, in his defence, it doesn't really need special effects because you talk about the people and the relationships and how the world has come to terms with this quite devastating event. Because, you know, people are driving down, they drive down the motorway, mm-hmm. they black out. Do they ever recover from the ensuing car crash? So it's, it's quite dark and it's, it's quite deep, philosophically. <laughs> But unless it was, it was relatively well received to the point that at the when it launched, there was 12.4 million viewers in the US. Oh, wow, which is not what not not too bad, uh, you know, a feat to achieve. But ratings ended up declining to about one third of the figure. Now, See, that's um, still not bad, is it? It's, it isn't, but then there's a lot of people in America, Dan. I'm not sure if you know that, and um, <laughs> the, the ratings that's a slim. Slim amount compared to, I guess, other shows that were airing at the same time. Now, um, there was also an unexpected hiatus, which they believe that also drew out between episodes, um, people, you know, forgetting what's happening or lost interest. Now, uh, over here, the show was given a primetime slot, apparently on Channel 5, Dan. Now, if you recall Channel 5, there are more channels now, guys, but there was only one to five channels back in the day. Um Channel 5 back in 2009, it wasn't really doing an awful lot apart from soft porn in the very early hours. <laughs> That's true. And, may, and maybe some very poor news coverage. So um, even if it had prime time, it wasn't a particularly great channel, it wasn't well established. Not, no, it's not too bad now, actually. It's, I think it's pulled its socks up and it's actually half respectable. Um, but as a result, over here, it didn't do too great. Um and of, uh, of all the different shows that are around, it ranked 44th most watched show of the season. Now, despite this cancellation, it was also nominated for People's Choice Awards, Primetime Emmy Awards and Hugo Awards. So people loved it, but it just didn't, it didn't pull in the bank down. 
So it was a bit oh, of a shame, man. but the concept was mind blowing. They've never done anything quite like it since, in my humble opinion. So I think it's still worthwhile doing. They didn't leave it too much on the cliffhanger. It's still in its own right, quite an interesting concept. It's, it is quite finished for the first season. So if you can grab hold of a stream or find it somewhere, flash forward, it's pretty good. But well before its time got cancelled. So uh, that is my first one, very strong one. Hopefully I've spurred some of our listeners on to try and at least look it up, if not try and grab themselves a copy. But uh, yeah, that's my first one, a strong one. Mm. Uh, and very sad, Dan, because I was looking for more. But otherwise, yeah, flash forward, that is. Uh, oh, so I've got my next one sort of very similar, I guess, sort of very lost-esque. Uh, mm. Now I'll put this on our socials. Alcatraz. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, this was created by Elizabeth Sarnoff, Stephen Lillian and Brian Wingbrandt. I think I got that right. You know, we're, we're also the home of not getting names correct. And produced by... One and truly, J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot Productions. They know uh, what they're doing, those guys, don't they? Mm. Or so you think. So for the synopsis for Alcatraz, on March the 21st, 1963, 256 inmates and 46 guards disappeared from the Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary without a trace. To cover up the disappearance, the government invented a cover-up story about the prison being closed due to unsafe conditions and officially reported that the inmates had been transferred. However, mm, however, federal agent Emerson Hauser, a young San Francisco police officer tasked with transferring inmates to the island in 1963, is one of the first to discover that the inmates are actually missing and not transferred. In the present day, San Francisco, the 63s, as the missing inmates and guards are called, begin returning one by one. Oh. Yeah, so this is where it gets a bit strange, Alex. Strangely, they have not aged at all, and they have no clues about their missing time or their whereabouts during their missing years. Mm. However, they appear to be returning with compulsions to find certain objects and to continue their criminal habits. Even more strangely, the government has been expecting their return and Hauser now runs a secret government unit dedicated to finding the returning prisoners. This unit was set up long ago in anticipation of the prisoners' returns. To help track down the returning prisoners and capture them, Hauser enlists police detective Rebecca Madsen and Dr Diego Soto, a published expert on the history of Alcatraz and its inmates. Now, Alex, this cast is actually pretty good, and I'm surprised. Mm. Again, this is one of the reasons why I thought it would last longer than a series. But here we are. So here's the cast for you. Yeah. And I think there will be a couple you'll go, yeah, do you know what? I know that person. Mm. First up, we've got Sarah Jones, who played Rebecca Madsen, um, a San Fran Police Department homicide detective with family ties to Alcatraz. You've got your Garcia, who was in Lost, as Dr. Diego Soto, oh, yeah. mm. a PhD in both criminal justice and civil war history, author of books on Alcatraz, comic book store owner, writer and artist. Very talented in this uh, um, series, Alex. Yeah. Uh, you got Johnny Coyne, Edwin as Edwin James, the warden of Alcatraz, 
Although more tolerant of the prisoners, he has been shown to resort to psychological torture in order to learn crucial information about them. You've got Parminder Nagra, who played Dr. Lucille Banerjee, Agent Houser's technician slash colleague and friend. In 1963, she was known as Dr. Lucille Segupta, who served as a psychiatrist at Alcatraz. You've got Jason Butler-Hana, who played Elijah Bailey Tiller, the deputy warden of Alcatraz, whose cynical views of the inmates often put him at odds with Edwin James. This is the biggie, Alex. This is the mm-hmm. big actor that I'm, think, I'm talking about. I think I know who you're going to say. Sam Neill. Boom. Who you all know from Jurassic Park, Dr. Grant. Indeed. Uh, he's well, also in... Um... Uh, sorry, Dan. He's uh, also in uh, Peaky Blinders in the first. Oh, is he? Was it two seasons? Have you seen Peaky Blinders, Dan? No, I've not picked it up. Ah, oh, very good. Um, Post World War One gang violence in Birmingham, lesser known Birmingham in that period, based on true gang, but not quite so violent or colourful. Um, he's in that too as a as a police detective. Oh. Very very good. So Sam Neill is not just brilliant on the silver screen; he's also great on the TV screen. It sounds like he's also pretty good. I hazard a guess and pretty good in this one too. Perhaps. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if Sam Neill doesn't sell it to you, then I don't know what will. No. Uh, but he plays Emerson Hauser, uh, as I mentioned, an FBI agent and former police officer who arrived on the dock at Alcatraz to find the prisoners gone in 1963. He currently heads the Alcatraz Task Force. Uh, and then lastly, you've got Robert Forster, who plays Raymond Archer, or previously Ray Madsen, who is Rebecca's great uncle and former Alcatraz prisoner guard. Ah. Now, this only ran from January, uh, January 16th, 2012, all the way up to March 26, 2012. Uh, 13 episodes in this one, one season. Now, Fox said Alcatraz started off strong, but dropped to half of its audience by the end of the season, hence the network pulling the plug. Mm. Do you want to know why they pulled the plug? Do tell, Dan, because it sounds like this is um, it's still not quite so severe as it sounds on paper, but I, I suspect there's something else contributing, perhaps. Uh, and I'm a little bit bitter about this because I watched this oh. as well, and it got a little bit shite. They decided to keep Kiefer Sutherland's touch for a second series. Ah, right. Um, after struggling ratings through its first and second seasons, Fox opted to cancel Touch, uh, the concept-driven drama from Heroes creator Tim Kring, mm. uh, opening it to a jaw-dropping 12 million viewers, which, again, you know, that's, that's quite a large yeah, viewing yeah, clip. Still quite a following, isn't it, Dan? Mm. Mm. But by the end of season one, uh, the Kiefer Sutherland star was on just over three million. By the end of season two, it was only getting just over 2.4 million viewers. Mm. In comparison, Alcatraz started at just over 10 million viewers and dropped off to 4.75 million for its season finale. So... It had a. It, I feel like it was stronger than Touch. Yeah, it sounds like being robbed. And I, I guess Kiefer Sutherland, uh, that was in between a couple of seasons. So season six, maybe five of um, 24. So he was flavor of 
the US airways, so to speak. So I suspect they wanted to to bankroll a familiar face, but it sounds like to the detriment of uh, of Alcatraz. Hmm. I, I know I'm sort of cramming in two here, um, but I say touch wasn't my first choice. Um, but if anyone wants to know what touch is about, uh, it centres on former reporter Martin Bohm, who's played by Keith Sutherland, and his 11-year-old son, Jake, who's played by David Mazouz, who you all know from Gotham. Who, um, oh, yeah. He's, uh, I want to say, Bruce Banner. That's that's the Hulk. Uh, Bruce Wayne. Um, uh, Jake's been diagnosed with, aut- with autism. Uh, unfortunately, Martin's wife died in the World Trade Center during the September 11 attacks. And he's been struggling to raise Jake ever since, moving from job to job while tending to Jake's special needs. Jake has never spoken a word, but is fascinated by numbers and patterns relating to numbers. I don't know who wrote these notes, Alex, but it wasn't me. Uh, spending much of his days writing them down in notebooks or on his touch screen tablet and sometimes using objects. I mean, if you're going to choose between the two, which one have I sold you here? Oh, 100%. Sam Neill and disappearing inmates. Um, yeah. And clandestine organisations are expecting these people, for sure. It sounds like it's got a got an interesting journey ahead of it. But as I say, I think they probably bankrolled the wrong wrong one based on his efforts on 24 which i think was on the same network yeah uh, they were um mm. but i mean one standout episode for me i mean all these inmates return and they commit different crimes and the one that stands out for me there was a guy that would plant landmines and hide them discreetly and wow that's dark. he hides them on on the beach on in san fran jesus yeah it's it's quite um it's quite dark it's quite gritty and it ended on this cliffhanger. I don't want to ruin it for people because I know if people go out there and watch it, they'll be like, oh yeah, this is really good. But I hate to disappoint you, it got cancelled and there's no season two, so you will never know. Oh. It's there's no closure whatsoever for any of the characters or just some or none at all? Uh, I mean, if you sort of read into the finale, then... I suppose there is a little bit of closure for some of them, mm, but it sort okay. of leaves you wanting more. You want to know what happens yeah. next. <clears throat> so, yeah, I was really disappointed. As soon as I sort of found out Fox had cancelled it, I thought, oh, that sucks. I genuinely thought I had a bit more life in it. And I know some of our mm. listeners commented, uh, Gavin, especially one of our uh, regulars, he was disappointed to see the, ba- the back of Alcatraz. And he believed there was more life in it as well. But, you know, you know what? here we are. Gone too soon. It really is. Oh, it's a bit of a tale of woe, that. It is. Jeez. But, right, um, what's, your, yeah. what's your second choice? I'm expecting you to sort of carry on where you started, Alex. Um, we're going to fast forward to actually last month, Dan. I talked Uh-oh. about this in our last episode, things that were entertaining us during lockdown. Jupiter's Legacy, Dan. Oh, Okay. Uh, I mentioned that in the episode, there's a, there's a link in the description below, um, how I I actually did quite enjoy it. It's a little bit slow, but I think it it was building and it was interesting and it had lots of character development. Um, and that's stars, not starring, because it's actually still out there. Still relatively new, just about five or six weeks old. Josh Duhamel, he's uh, been a number of different things. He's very, very good at this. 
Um, and my new secret, not so secret, um, on-screen crush, Leslie Bibb. We've got an Eleanor Campuris and a Matt Lanter. There's been some other bits and pieces like Timeless uh, and the likes. Now, um, just a bit of a recap. If you didn't hear the episode, it's uh, well, it's currently a superhero drama series on Netflix that only premiered on the 7th of May. So just over a month, actually, just into the fifth week, 21. Now, it is based on a comic book series by the fantastic and phenomenal um, mind of Mark Miller and Frank Quitely. Now, um, behind it is Stephen S. DeKnight, who's done some other stuff as a showrunner. Now, it is all about um, some individuals that come together as a result of some circumstances uh, back in the Wall Street crash, I believe, of the 1930s in the US. And they end up embarking upon a journey. You don't find this out, by the way, Dan, until the very end of the last episode. There's It, it works in real time, modern times, and flashbacks to, to the start and the origins of this superhero team. Anyway, it deals with concepts of um, uh, morality, and they, they always hold themselves true to never killing always apprehending, a bit like Batman, um, and never interfering with politics. But it comes to a head when one of the supervillains ends up trying to kill them, and he ends up getting unceremoniously ripped apart in bloody fashion. And it, it sends them all into turmoil about whether or not they're holding true, whether these things should be upheld in modern times. And it flashes back, as I say, to the journey of their origins and where it all comes to a head where um, there are double dealings and double crossings and there's an interesting look behind the veil at the very end of the last episode. And it does promise to go on some really exciting stuff now that everyone knows what's going on and we know what's happened. So you've also you've got kind of this, what's happened between the 30s and 20, whatever it is, 2020, 2030. And then 2030, current time, now this has happened what that means going forward. So you've still got two sets of stories to tell. Um, but it's binned off, Dan, in week oh, four. Man. Now, not because it was shit, because I actually think it's pretty good. Um, but it was it was because when it came down to the cutting board, um, the execs at Netflix, it's their money, not for me to say what they spend their money on, but decided this is going to be one of the shows that bin off and not renew when they'd put into other projects. And just to give you an idea about it, so critics had said on Rotten Tomatoes that it was about 38% positive, an average rating of 5.2 over 10, so not great. And they usually give a website consensus, and apparently it says, despite some truly epic fights, they are pretty good. I mean, the Sea Giant, Dan, they didn't, didn't hold back. It's pretty good. It's almost film-worthy. Um, Jupiter's legacy is simply too overstuffed and slow moving to land many narrative punches. Um, David Griffin of IGN, uh, mixed bag in IGN these days. It used to be quite good, but nowadays they seem to have a, an agenda that's being pushed. Um, perhaps if their palms are a cross with silver, let's put it that way. Mm, yeah. Um, they used to be quite independent, but I'm not quite sure that's the case these days. But anyway. If you were interested, David Griffin says that it's a rating 7 out of 10 and writing that it delivers plenty of exciting superhero action, compelling stories and memorable characters. I don't disagree. Uh, now, Jupiter's Legacy was the most watched show of the streaming service during the week of May. 
uh, garnering nine uh, six hundred ninety six million minutes of viewing, which is um, no mean feat. Um, now the show also topped the week of the May tenth to sixteenth with one point nearly near enough one billion minutes viewed. Wow. However, it was binned off because not long to shooting, the show found itself over budget and running behind. And with Denight never one to perhaps shy away from speaking his mind, he clashed over with Netflix over creative differences. The production was shut down halfway through his eight-episode shoot, and Denight was replaced by uh, someone else, a Sang-Q Kim, who then had to... Um, reshoot some of the episodes you, I don't think you personally feel that change of influence but nonetheless it didn't help it hmm. now uh, issues didn't stop there apparently because after rapid production the show spent a significant amount of time in 2020 in post-production now I can't say that a lot of it was its fault I'm not sure people are aware but it was a global pandemic <laughs> so, so who hasn't been affected by it and I know certainly the entertainment industry has been however Louis Leteria, the filmmaker behind Netflix, acclaimed Dark Crystal and Lupin. Lupin's second season is out, by the way, now, guys, as, as a recording. Brilliant. Uh, he was brought in at 11th hour as a consultant and was moved too late to, to help it out. Now, with um, episode spends now reaching way above what was asked for, um, apparently, uh, Denite still says that, you know, he had the, well, had the right to, to ask for it. He says that Marvel shows are 15 million to 20 million per episode. And if you're going to make a big superhero show, you need to at least match that. But Netflix didn't agree. And obviously they saw what the bank was, perhaps not the return of investment and didn't want to put more money into it. So within five weeks, Dan, it's been binned off. And it's actually yes. still out now. It's fresh as a daisy. Now, I really enjoyed it. I'm not going to go over it again. I'll give a full synopsis in the last episode about what we're entertaining us. I am entertained by it. I didn't really enjoy it. I was actually hoping for more because it really does set the scene for future seasons and the CGI was brilliant and the acting casting was phenomenal. So I'm really sad, Dan. I think they didn't call it correctly. It's really unfair the cast. He did a blinding job and I think a lot of things just went against it. But nonetheless, we are where we are, and Netflix are known for doing that. And look, it's their money. You know, it's their IP. They can do whatever they want. So, uh, yeah. Mm. So, so it's a shame, but um, that is Jupiter's legacy. There's a legacy of, well, just one season. There is no more. And that is my second one. Uh, before I kick off my third one, I'm going to ask you a question, Alex. Hmm, go on, shoot. Are you watching anything presently where... You, you sort of fear that it might come to a sudden end and, you know, it, it won't get picked up again or, you know, it will, it will leave you sort of hanging like much like I, with, I was with Alcatraz. Yeah, I did mention it just a second ago, Lupin. Um, and the only reason why I say that was before it was announced they're doing the second one. Um, it's a French-speaking, so subtitled for those who can't speak it, um, show all about you know a very intelligent man who is a, a professional thief and embarks upon heists. Now, um, and, and not a lot of people I know, not to say that I'm a, a good kind of measure of popularity, but not a lot of people I know have seen it. It's not really that often talked about. So I was rather concerned at getting to the end of that season before they announced second, um, that it'd be off. 
because you don't tend to find that non-native speaking shows do particularly well. We are ignorant in the West and we don't have that appetite as perhaps we should, or definitely should, in learning other languages. So if they speak English or a version of it, we're interested. And I find that really depressing and uh, and really embarrassing, but unless it's a reality for entertainment. So I was really worried, Dan, because it was really good. Omar Sy, the lead character for Lup- um, Lupin or, um, or Hassan Diop, uh, as the character is known as, is brilliant. It's one of the best streams I've seen in a good couple of years. And so I was really worried. But thankfully, literally, I think a week after I'd, uh, I'd finished watching it, They'd announced that they'd continued filming. They've got some screenshots ready for us viewers who are interested and have now released it now. So happy days, Dan. But that one, because of the Western ignorance of learning languages, I was really worried. But thankfully, it's pulled through for a second series. Lovely. Um, How about you, sorry? I am hammering through season three now of Manifest, which I mentioned in Mm. what's entertaining us in 2021. Uh, no, I, d- I don't know what's happened at the end of season three, but it has come to a conclusion on a cliffhanger, of course. Oh. Um, but there's still no word if it's been renewed for season four. So I'm sort of a bit, a bit edgy. Uh, I don't want to get to the end of Are you going to persevere or are you going to wait? Because I know some people go, well, I'm not going to watch it unless I know that I can actually have a satisfactory ending. Are you one of those people or will you see it and then hope for the best? I'm going to see it and just hope for the best. Good man. Um, but, you know, there there are things that have naturally come to an end, but have been picked up by other things. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Lucifer, which is mm. uh, part two of season five, just dropped on Netflix a couple of weeks ago. Big fan. But I mean, that uh, got dropped by Fox. Fans wanted more. And then Netflix ultimately picked it up and carried it on which i think is great so there is yeah. always hope um i always live in hope that you know if there is something that i'm watching and you know someone will come along and rescue it but well, i guess if, i mean they go off ratings and views don't they so if enough people i guess watch watch it um or there are petitions and sometimes petitions do win out and catch the attention of um of the studios and perhaps you know we uh we do get those additional series or seasons that we are we are owed and I will mention in one of my final shows that were cancelled far too soon, something that had that experience. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a bit, not not everything's a given in the world of, of streams and films these days, Dan. You're not always mm. going to get that next follow-up one. So it's, um, it is a bit un, unsettling, especially when you come to a cliffhanger about whether or not you're going to see it pay off. Yeah. Uh, my third and final TV series. This might be on your list, Alex. Oh yeah, Heroes. It is one of my ones. Yes. Oh, okay. I mean, if anyone isn't aware of Heroes, um, it was it's an American superhero drama television series created by Tim Kring, as mm. I mentioned earlier in in the episode. The plot of Heroes is designed to be told in a similar way to the way comic books are told. Each season of Heroes contains one or two volumes. There are several main storylines in each volume. As the main plots develop, smaller, more intimate stories are told within them. Each main character's stories is developed separately, and as time passes, their paths cross, and is and it is explained how their stories are 
intertwined and connected. This is the story of ordinary people who discover extraordinary superpowers after a solar eclipse reveals them and how these abilities affect the characters' daily lives. Yeah. It all begins with a seemingly ordinary group of people who gradually become aware that they have special abilities. The story develops showing their reactions to these powers and how this discovery affects their personal and professional lives. I mean, this is no different to reading comic books, really. It's just shoehorned into a television series. It's done in such an intricate and clever way and it doesn't sort of feel too much. No, it's quite innovative. And I remember watching it when I was in university, you know, trying to seek out streams because at that time there was months between shows going live in the US and us picking it up or getting assigned to a European audience or or channel. So I was eagerly trying to get streams or downloads off it. And I, I thought it was brilliant. It was very captivating mm. first season and there's nothing else quite like it. And the the show is very well directed. It still has, I, watched, I started watching again I don't know, about six months ago and albeit a little bit slower than I guess some recent, more recent shows or series. It's still got that polish down. It still holds up today. It's mm. really quite good. Apart from the obvious you know, telltale signs of time that's lapsed, you no know, flip phones and the likes. It's still pretty good. Um, and it's still eerie and, 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 and still has a fantastic store. And at least it does in season one. So um, it's brilliant. It was it was very well thought out. Mm. And yeah, Tim Kring did a phenomenal job in the early seasons for sure. So I think it got, uh, unfortunately, I didn't put it into my notes, but I'm sure it got released around 2006, 2007. Yeah, so it ran uh, 25th September 2006 all the way to um, four years later, February 2010. Yeah. Four okay. seasons. Uh, I, I bought an illegal copy of oh. Seasons 1 to Do when I went travelling. Um, <clears throat> I think I, I picked up in like some, I don't want to say a black market because it, it wasn't, it was just like little stalls that had like loads of copied DVDs. Mm. I bought loads of them. I'll be honest with you. I bought Heroes, Supernatural. Um, I've, I've lost them all since, but I have purchased Heroes as a box set from H&V a yeah, few years ago. Mm. Seasons 1 to 4. It was, I, I still love it. I, I just can't get over the fact they gave us a absolute cliffhanger at the end of season 4. And, well... I say we didn't get any more. They rebooted it and they had Heroes Reborn. Yeah. I didn't it was watch a very it. short run. I didn't know, but it's it was supposed to, I guess, gauge interest about whether or not there's something else out there. But I think due to the, the period of time, it didn't really have any kind of reference to the first set of season characters. It it didn't do a particularly great job. Same as 24. Yeah, I mentioned 24. It had 24 Legacy, which didn't have anything to do with Kiefer Sutherland and was... You know, a couple of episodes run of a different character, just all in name. It was the same, but that was it. Yeah. Um, you know, critics have said, you know, that the first couple of seasons were quite, quite good. I mean, it garnered an average of 14 million viewers um, and much the same for the second one. But by the end, Dan, Los Angeles Times said even just a half hour in, it's difficult not to wish any, everyone would just lighten the heck up. <laughs> um, the show was once a so thrilling a run, had become full of itself, its character spouting crazy nonsense. And it's true because 
albeit you're bought into CAD development. Um, uh, the, the the brother of Nathan, I can't recall his name, the one he ends up becoming president, ends up doing such a 180 on his his character. By season four, he's unrecognisable and it's quite a jump between the seasons. So say mm. we're all in for character development, but it really was quite bizarre and it was a time jump. And, you know, if I think back about season one, it was fresh, it was new. Season two, put it on its head and there was a couple of different loose ends which kicked off a, a brand new storyline. Season three was okay, it's not bad. Season four, I gave up, Dan. I never Did you saw really? To the end. Yeah, I got to, I think, it's episode three or four and I was like look this is I'm out because it there was quite a period of time between them the storyline was appalling and it it felt like it was on its on its final knees so I agree but I think it it was binned off because the fourth season was just terribly written and they're on the gravy train seasons one to three were pretty good Um, albeit a little bit slower places but I mean when you're talking about 23 odd episodes a season you got a bit of filler in there. Yeah. But um, yeah, the last season just wasn't good and it laid down at the end. Yeah. Do you know what? I'll tell you what really bugged me about season four. Um, you know, you've got Zachary Quinto who was playing Sila and Sila mm. was a phenomenal villain. Oh, he's one of the best in TV, in my opinion, Dan. You know, pitting people against the wall with his sort of, um, I suppose, telepathic powers and then cutting their pet skulls open, essentially, yeah. to... He's a murderer. He's a, he's a serial killer, and that's how he's presented in the show. They don't dress it up. It's almost like a modern day Jack the Ripper, Dan, and it's mm. it's really quite it's quite scary stuff. Yeah, it's, at least it was back then. But then they made him a good guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, we have these conversations all the time. You know, we were talking about Hawkeye in Endgame. You know, he he turned into a cold blooded killer. And, you know, after everything's fixed and done, that's it, he's gone back to family life like nothing's happened. Yeah, guys, you know, I've, I've had five years of hell and I've, I've seen and done things which, you know, I've, I've had to turn into a, a vigilante and I've done all these things. But hey, got my family back. So everyone's called it now, right? No. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> there are some missteps when they start dabbling with characters and, and jumps in time. And yeah, it, that, was, that was one of them. Yeah, Do you know, I might revisit Heroes, really get good. the old box it out, dust it off. Um, season three wasn't the greatest, but that was one of those um, series where, you know, I, I, you were talking about trying to find the streams when you're at university. I was in a very mm. much similar position in uh, 2008 to 2009. Where can I get the latest stream? Like me and my flatmates would all watch it. It was always a good time on a Tuesday night. Indeed. Yeah, and some great, great casting. So you mentioned Zachary Quinto, but we've got Hayden Pantier, Milo Ventimiglia. I can't really pronounce that. Apologies, Milo, Milo, um, Ali Lata, and others. And um, the casting is brilliant. I don't think there's anything wrong with the casting. No. The production was spot on. The writing for at least two seasons are pretty good, and production value was spot on. No expense was spared. But um, by the end, it just it, it wasn't enough. But I mean, it was. It was nominated for Primetime Emmy Awards, Golden Globes, People's Choice Awards, and even um, British Academy Television Award. So people were appreciating it, but I think it just ran its course in the end, Dan, which is a shame because if you scrap season four, it actually had a decent outlook. I mean, would you would you be interested if they tried to right some of those wrongs and, and, and redo it again? Not necessarily a reboot, but 
did something of the same universe, would you watch that? Yeah, I probably would. Um, so I haven't seen Heroes Reborn, but I don't know if there's enough in it to interest me to pick mm. it up. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. But I mean, some of these actors and actresses didn't really go on to further their careers, which is a shame. But I know Greg Grunberg, he, uh, who played Matt Parkman, he went on yeah. to be in a couple of things. I know he was in a Star Wars film yeah, very briefly. Wars. Yeah, two two of them he showed up. He was um, an X-Wing pilot. Uh, and of course, Zachary Quinto went on to the other rival franchise, Star Trek as Spock. So there were the odds breakaways, but you're right. I mean, some had fledgling B movie roles, but yeah, they didn't didn't quite get the lofty successes of the franchise of, mm. of heroes. One that surprised me was Hayden Panettiere. Um, yeah. Didn't really go on to do much, but she basically ended up dating a boxer that was like four, four times the size of her. Uh, Vladimir Klitschko, I believe oh, his yeah. name was. Yeah. Not together anymore, um, but I think they had a child together. How do you end up with someone that's four times the size of you? I don't... But yeah, anyway, we digress. We do. Uh, so what's your final choice, Alex? Yeah, this one again... Sorry, guys. Uh, I have to mentioned this before, but I do truly believe it's binned off way before its time. Designated Survivor, Dan. Mm. I started watching season one. Uh, it's really good. It's brilliant. But I, mean, I need to pick it up again. Yeah, I would. I'd persevere once you get through your other stuff because I know we've both got back catalogues and new content out. But um, I mean, I, think I was never really part... I never really interested in that kind of whole US political drama type thing. You know, my, my family grew up on West Wing and, um, you know, other shows around lawyers and that kind of stuff. But I was never really interested. Perhaps I was too young. This one... This one, I think, is is quite approachable to people people perhaps don't quite know anything about US politics because actually the storylines are very simple to get on for simpletons like ourselves um, and those perhaps quite, not quite familiar with, you know, the run-up of elections and the investments and the campaigning and and the, the, the issues that could arise. But it starts Kiefer Sutherland, the aforementioned, uh, Italia Ritchie, Maggie Q. I don't think she's particularly... It's giving me a great actress, but I don't know if she's in it. And I think the very, very talented Aidan Canto, he's not very well known, but he's, he takes one of the lead roles as um, advisor and chief of staff. And he's brilliant. Um, but if you're not quite as familiar with Designated Survivor, well, it's an American political thriller. It's a series created by David Guggenheim that aired first for on ABC and then on Netflix. Netflix, in the, at least in Europe or the UK, bought the rights to, to distribute it. So actually, we've always ever known Netflix, but Netflix owns the third and final season. Now, the premise is that Keith Sutton stars as Thomas Kirkman, and he ends up being an um, independent. So he's not part of the Democratic or Republicans. He's a very well, well, not well-known politician in this universe. And there's an interesting bit of legislation, Dan, which is if there's a something or something memorable or historic that is passing in Congress where they all convene, um, there's at least one member of the cabinet that is locked away in a bunker, nominated, designated survivor. There's a terrorist attack down and everyone in the government perishes up all apart from this well unknown, I think he's a head of agriculture or some yeah. lesser known role. Um, 
Thomas Kirkman, and he ends up immediately becoming sworn in as president and having to then res- respond and lead the country out of that situation and on the brink of war, all the way through then to, to other things that throw up as, as the president. It's interesting, you know, you think, well, what would happen if I was that person? And mm. all of a sudden, I'm not saying that he carries it, but he does very well in that role. Uh, he's not an action hero, but he's, he, the script is brilliant. He gives some brilliant speeches um, as the president, and he's believable. And, you know, when a family's thrust into the White House and taken that role, you can see the stress and the strains, and I really enjoy it. And it's, it's a great series. Um, now... It was on ABC, as I say. They took up two seasons and then it finished. Now, I was watching it on Netflix and I was like, oh, crikey, this is really good. And it wasn't necessarily on the cliffhanger, but the end of the second season, he's running for a second term. And they didn't actually announce the results. He's in front of the TV or something, or he's back at the White House and they're waiting for the results. But I was, I was hoping for a third one. But then when news came to ABC, binned it off, I was really quite quite upset because I actually really quite enjoyed it. I still thought there were some stories to tell well so did Netflix because they picked it up but just for one more season and there's I think there's nine episodes or so and they I think they did some justice they did press the fast forward button on the format of the show they did a small episode arc they couldn't quite do a lot of the storylines that perhaps had double that to expand and to, to delve into but it was quite good um and yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now I'd, I'd hope they perhaps try and squeeze another, but I'm not sure if that's wishful thinking. But to give you an idea about what the critics said, well, Rotten Tomatoes gave season one 87% based on average rating of seven out of 10, which is not bad. And the consensus reads that Keith Sutherland skillfully delivers the drama in, in the, the series, a fast paced, quickly engrossing escapist political action fantasy, which sounds really boring, but actually really, really captivating with a score of 71 out of 100 based on 35 reviews. Now, season three, however, I mean, it still had a half-decent rating, Dan, but it was 67%. Hmm. Uh, and many felt that Netflix moved the show to the left politically, taking away the sense of balance and neutrality that President Kirk was known for in the first two seasons, which made the show stand out from other political dramas on the network television. And others criticised the sudden over... Uh, overabundance of extreme vulgarity once the show went from network on ABC television to streaming on Netflix. Don't disagree, but I think it's a different platform so it can do more things. Now, it's binned off, Dan, because whilst we don't know how many people were tuning into it, because actually haven't really given too much away in terms of figures, it's Netflix, they don't. Um, Sutherland revealed that during a conversation with Simon Mayo on Scala Radio, the viewing figures weren't the central issue. He says, I don't think season four is going to happen. Ooh. <laughs> it's an amazing experience on Netflix and the kind of freedom that was wonderful. But the reality is, because the contracts are so com- complicated and different from network television to Netflix, they didn't book a lot of the actors who were on the show and they took other jobs. They said, I don't blame them a second for that. I think he also was a co-producer of the second and third season. So I think doing a season four would be very complicated and difficult. I think it's time for us all to go and find something new to do. And so he did, and he's actually got an album out. And he's a, I think he's a country singer. He's actually very good. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, I'm, hopes aren't quite there for season four. We'll see if they've got some spare cast floating around and if the, the viewing figures stack up. But I really enjoy it. And that's coming from someone who doesn't have a clue about US politics. 
it's actually pretty good. It's a really good storyline. It's overarching and, you know, you could pick up an episode and kind of see it from start to finish. And that's what I quite like. Um, very approachable, 45-minute episodes. So, look, uh, we want to try something new. Kiefer Sutherland's brilliant. The casting's phenomenal. If you want to get something new, it's designated Survivor, but you have only got three seasons. But as I say, I think Netflix knew it wasn't going to renew it, so it's not on a cliffhanger. It does come to some kind of conclusion with the door a little bit open, but um, I really enjoyed it. So that's my last one, Dan. Um, and with sadness, I say that's that's no longer with us. Oh man, so many have hit the graveyard. It's it's genuinely quite sad. It is. But we've got some from our listeners, and actually, they've chosen TV series that we haven't. Oh yeah. Uh, first up, we've got Pilot Terror Podcast. Hello, guys. Bonjour. Uh, they chose Constantine and Better Off Ted. Um, now, oh, I've, yeah. I've just crammed in some synopsis into my notes. So, Constantine is an American occult detective drama television series developed by Daniel Sarone and David S. Goya for NBC. Indeed based on the DC Comics characters of the same name. It stars Matt Ryan as the eponymous John Constantine, an English exorcist and occult detective who hunts supernatural entities. Uh, Now, this only aired for one season. Mm. It premiered on the 24th of October 2014, and it concluded on February 13th, 2015. Uh, Best of Ted... Best of Ted focuses on the protagonist, Ted Crisp, played by Jay Harrington, a single father and the well-respected and beloved head of a research and development department at the fictional soulless conglomerate of Viridian Dynamics. Ted narrates a series of events by regularly breaking the fourth wall and directly addressing the audience as the show's on-camera narrator. Now, this only ran between 2009-2010. Um, very Deadpool or very Malcolm in the Middle, I guess, if mm. uh, you're breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then last up, we've got Leighton, who chose El Dorado. Now, we're going way back to the 90s here, Alex. Yeah, Jesus. This is uh, BBC, no? Yes, you're right. Yeah. Uh, for anyone unfamiliar with El Dorado, especially those that aren't necessarily uh, au fait with BBC TV yeah, series. Fair Isles of the... Um... The uh, yeah the the British people. It's I really enjoyed it. Good shout, actually. This is mm. this is firing my synapses, and these these images are flooding back. Tell us, Dan, what's all about El Dorado? Uh, this is a soap opera created by Tony Holland from an original idea from John Dark and Verity Lambert of a glamorous upmarket soap focusing on wealthy British expatriates, mm. similar to U.S. soaps Dallas and Dynasty. The show ran only for one year, from the 6th of July 1992 to the 9th of July 1993. It's set in a fictional town of Los Barcos on the Costa El Dorado in Spain. And following the lives of British and European expatriates, the BBC hopes it would be as successful as EastEnders and replicate some of the sunshine and glamour of imported Australian soaps such as Home and Away and Neighbours. Mm. Um, anyone I'm familiar with EastEnders well it runs four days a week got, got a little bit bored of Phil Mitchell uh, and then you got Home and Away and Neighbours which I think 
as you mentioned earlier, Channel Alex. Five. Channel Five. Yeah. They bought the rights. Home and Away was always um, was it Channel Three had it originally. I don't know where it's moved from. Um, but yeah, Neighbours was always a, a BBC job, and again that that tailed off in recent, I think, the last decade or two, and um, has moved to Channel Five. But uh, El Dorado. Do you, do, you, do you ever watch it, Dan? Do you recall that one? Uh, I know of it. Uh, it certainly wasn't something that I watched back really in the good. 90s. Um, I was more of a Jonathan Creek fan. Yes, 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 which is very good. We talked about Jonathan Creek previously. Yes, that's, that's a really good one as well. With Jonathan Davis, comedian mm. and, and very intelligent guy on, uh, on various different panel shows. Uh, I'll tell you what, actually, I've got a little story about Neighbours. Oh, yeah. Uh, when I was at university, um, Alan Fletcher, who played Dr. Cole Kennedy, came to visit and he uh, did yes. a bit of singing and I've actually got a photo with him somewhere with, with, with my flatmate. Um, a very drunk Daniel was there that night. He drank a lot of beer and I think a lot of rum. Best kind. The best kind. Well, he actually, <laughs> interesting enough, he also <laughs> did the university rounds and he played at our university in Portsmouth, uh, where I did study, and hence why I'm here now. Um, I did our student union, and he did an appearance. So I, I don't think he's a DJ. He just appeared alongside the DJ, and yeah, um, he entertained the masses on a Wednesday night with his student night here in Portsmouth. Um, so he's well known in some circuits, and he's still around down, as you say. He's, I think he's even still in in neighbours. I think he is. Um, uh, and he's somewhat of a an unofficial national treasure, <laughs> an Australian import. Indeed. Wow, that's it. That is all of our cancelled TV shows. But of course, you know, if you um, if you do have any more that you want us to mention in a future episode, let us know. Indeed, yeah. I mean, you could have mentioned things like Veronica Mars, Dan, and I never oh. got on that one, or Firefly. So if you, if yeah. you particularly um, interested in those or, or fans of those things by all means get in contact let us know um, you can leave us a message and tell us why it was so important to you or perhaps your thoughts on why they came to a premature end um, and we've got some contact details down including our new website do you want to reel them off yes so we are on facebook twitter and instagram at on the topic pod we've got gmail which is on the topic podcast at gmail.com and of course we've got anchor where you can leave us a voice message where you can be like some of our previous listeners and we can put you into the show um alex what's the website because i forgot yes. no no fair enough it's your second time i'm announcing it it's brand new if any of those pass you by this is the one to remember, guys. All the links are on there to all of the different podcast distributions and some little bit of information about who we are. Our mugs are on there with some lovely words and anecdotes. It's on the topic podcast, all one word, dot wordpress.com. That's on the topic podcast, dot wordpress.com. Go have a look, see our faces to the voices, click on the links to listen, and you could also. Uh, stream it straight from the website so if you don't have any of those podcast platforms don't worry you can stream it straight from wordpress beautiful yeah, technology i know it's great isn't it and that's that's our new website indeed and we've got a lot uh, going on at the moment as well alex i feel like we've Indeed. got a busy few weeks 
Yeah, so we've we've done a couple of runs of the Marvel TV series so far. Brilliant ones, actually. One Division and the Falcon and Winter Soldier. We enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, go and have a listen to it in our back catalogue. But Loki, Tom Hiddleston, has adorned our screens. And we've already had the first episode of the... Is it a six-episode run, this one? Uh, yes, I believe so. So I guess yeah. we'll do two parts. Cover episodes one to three and then four to six. Usual rundown of the story, few Easter eggs, and all, all the good stuff. Good things to look out for. So, yeah, the first episode's available at the time of recording. So, go and have a look at that and join us on the sofa in a couple of weeks' time. We'll give you the lowdown of the halfway mark. Indeed. Uh, we've got some guests coming on the show, Alex. We've got Leah Holford and Paul Messer Photography, another dynamic duo on the South Coast. Um, looking forward, forward to look, look, yeah, looking forward to sitting down with those two and seeing what they're up to. That we we talking about some of their past projects and some of their upcoming ones. Also, E three. Now we didn't get a chance to do this in twenty twenty because well, COVID. But yeah. we did a did an episode in twenty nineteen of what we were looking forward to in the computer gaming world, and uh, I'm quite looking forward to it this year, Alex. Should be good. Can't wait to dive back in. I, I know what you're thinking, guys. You know, you you're both in your mid thirties now. You should not be playing computer games. Well, I don't care. Get in the sea. I yeah. enjoy my computer games. You've got to have some kind of escapism, and now more than ever, that's really important. Mm. So that's a, a couple of weeks away. Um, we've got Black Widow. That's yes. good to be at the cinema, Dan. So I'm hoping, if all goes well, and Boris Johnson who apparently is so-called leading this nation through this pandemic, mm-hmm. pulls his socks up and helps us through to glory, we may well still be able to go and see the cinema. So um, it would be damn sight cheaper than watching on Disney Plus at a £30 a pop. Um, but either way, we'll hopefully be able to uh, have a review of that and that's out in just under four weeks' time as of recording. Yeah, we've added more to the uh, ideas catalogue as well. Uh, one that I threw to you after watching Cruella on Disney Plus was Misunderstood Villains. Yeah, I think that'd be a fun one to dive into. Uh, disappointing finales of films and TV series as well. Um, yeah, we've got a lot going on. Um, plenty lot. to keep us busy, but keep an eye on those socials. We post almost daily, if it's not memes, of course. My favourite. Yeah. Go give them a follow. Get involved. Indeed. But yeah, for a, another week, I have uh, I've been Alex sweltering in the South Coast sun, and I'm Dan, who can no longer feel pain in one of his back teeth. I will see you next time. Bye.